front because she's my daughter. Um, but uh, Monday night at about 12.45 a, well, actually Tuesday, Tuesday morning, uh, we finally got to hug her, um, and she came back from uh, South Korea. And so uh, she's going to share a little bit here of, um, so maybe just uh, share with uh, the body for those who have been know, who know you and have been praying, you know, what have you been up to in the, for the last 11 months? Oh, hold on. You need a microphone so we can record it. Um, so first I'm going to, I will share a little bit about like what my last year has been, but first, because um, I will be staying in Korea next year, so I'm going to share a little bit about where I was, and um, I was with Word of Life, um, which is where our youth go to camp every summer in New York. Um, that's their main campus, but I was at um, Word of Life Bible Institute Jeju, which is in South Korea, um, and I was at um, the Bible Institute, which is like a one-year Bible intensive program um, with students from across the world. Um, my class was 24 students from Korea, Japan, Canada, US, and Taiwan, um, aiming to give students a foundation in the Bible, ministry, and missions. You can go to the next slide. Uh, this is our campus. This is the sign. And this is some of our buildings. Uh, this is like like a three-minute walk from campus, you can look out and see like um, the island and the ocean. This was in the winter time, or actually March. And there's um, Mount Hala, which is the tallest mountain in South Korea. It was covered in snow at the time. Uh, this is um, during some of our ministry camps and then campus days, which is like where pers um, prospective students can come down and see the campus. Some campers, this is doing winter camp winter camp activities. We just finished summer camp, so that was crazy too. Uh, this is more from winter camp. Uh, we do different out outreaches throughout the year, um, camps, um, like one day youth events, and then local church ministry as well. So my year was filled with many ups, downs, and challenges, but I really enjoyed it, and I was able to see God work in my life in amazing ways and draw me closer to him. And I learned so much more relationally and about his word and made incredible friendships that will hopefully last a lifetime. Um, I saw God draw me closer to him and grow in love um, for him and with others. And I learned to look beyond myself and reach out to others with different backgrounds than me. And he reminded me that I am his and to be thankful and joyful daily for what he has done for me. Uh, there's me with some of my classmates and some staff too. This is my most my class and then some staff members as well on like an outing. Here's me with some friends, Fifi from Taiwan and then some of my classmates. Uh, this was during the missions conference, just some pictures. My classmates and Word of Life staff. This is us during worship. So why did I decide, decide to stay a staff? Originally, I planned on doing second year in New York because um, I wasn't yet sure exactly what I wanted to do, and I figured um, I could continue to grow my faith and learn more about ministry and potentially doing ministry in the future. Um, 
uh, that was, I decided like, okay, I'll do second year, maybe like March. And then like a week or two after I'm like, okay, I'll do second year, the director asked me to consider serving in admissions this next year. And I was like, oh, well, uh, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> so um, I began praying and thinking about um, my next steps a lot and wondering what God wanted me to do. Um, and one verse that, um, so that was like a, it was like a whole journey, I guess. But one verse that God used in my life during this time was Psalm um, 111, verse 10. Um, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. And during this time, I was praying a lot for wisdom, like God give me wisdom to make this decision. And um, meditating on this verse, and I was like, um, well, this verse um, talks about wisdom. And um, I realized that one way to have wisdom is to fear God, which means taking hard and difficult steps. And so this was one way I saw God leading me, like I need to um, take a step of faith and um, commit and stay um, and serve him. It says my impact, but I don't remember what that means. You can move <laughs> on. <laughs> um, so my role at Will Be Jeju will be doing international admissions. So I will be connecting with um, students who are applying from um, all countries around the world that doesn't include Korea. So mostly just Japan or Canada or the US, maybe European countries as well. Um, I'll, I'll also be involved in local church ministry and helping in camps like we just were um, most of July and then pretty much all of January. And then we do other short camps throughout the year as well. Um, I might be involved in like uh, grading students um, work, basically the students who are there this coming fall. Um, and then I hope to help in the kitchen as well as that's what I really enjoy doing. So I'm excited to build relationships. With this year's class, they'll be arriving in about a month and encourage prospective students to take a step of faith like I did and come to the Bible Institute to grow and deepen their faith. I think, oh yeah, what's next? So staff training begins in August um, in about two weeks and incoming students will come about two weeks after that. And then prayer requests will be next week so you can come back next week and find out how you can be praying. <laughs> I trained her well. Um, yeah, I guess that, else? I don't know. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for all your prayers and support. Um, yeah, so, so, well, hold on, don't go. I'm going to pray for you in a minute. Um, for us, this is where, as a church, you know, um, so when you give, we support missionaries locally, regionally, and globally, long-term, short-term. And so, as a church, we've committed to... Uh, give $2,500 towards uh, Leah's support. And so it's kind of neat to see how a year ago, Lauren Barnacastle got that started and to see how the next generation is uh, carrying things along. Um, but then also, if you, know, if you are burdened, you can give uh, individually as a family. Um, so there's letters out in the, uh, in the lobby as well as I'll put it in the church family email if you're burdened to do that. Um, you can do that as well. So... Um, so let me pray. Uh, let me pray for you. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that, uh, that you continue to work in the hearts of your children. And Father, I thank you for what you've been doing in Leah's life, Lord. I, I thank you for her uh, willingness to follow you and to listen to your voice. 
And Father, even in that process, listening to uh, godly individuals, Lord, I thank you for her listening to Sarah and I as her parents, but Father, others that you have brought into her life to guide and direct her. And, uh, and so, Lord, I, I just pray over these next two weeks that she's here, that she would, um, that you would just uh, uh, help her to uh, connect with who she needs to connect with, um, give her rest um, as she prepares to go back for another year, and, uh, and, and that you would work um, in a mighty way in her life, and that you would work through her. Thank you, God, that you are a God of the globe, of the world. And so we just pray that you would just continue to uh, allow the gospel to produce fruit, God, uh, all over the world. And so we just praise you and we thank you for that. And uh, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So I'm going to, Derek's going to come up here and uh, about a couple of months ago, Derek said, hey, how can I serve you? And so um, we as a family had some time, you know, to be away this week and so I didn't have to think about preaching. And so uh, Derek is going to bring the Word of God to us. I'm going to pray for him, and uh, you can jump right in. Father, we thank you so much that you are a God who works in hearts, that you work in lives. I thank you for Derek. I thank you for the time that he has had to uh, spend uh, in your Word. And God, I pray that you would use him, that you would speak to the household of God through his life, that your spirit would go beyond his abilities go above and beyond his preparation. God, we want to hear from you. And so, God, I pray that you would use my brother uh, to communicate your word uh, to the body of Christ. And in your name we pray. Amen. to kind of tie back into what we talked about last week, which really contributes to what we're going to be talking about um, this week. So um, so just as a reminder, uh, so clearly by the name, this is a, a letter to Timothy uh, by Paul. And uh, so Timothy was uh, ministering to the people of Ephesus. Um, really, a lot of the em emphasis of uh, this letter is talking about false teachers, false teachings, and while tonight, er, tonight, today's uh, verses don't directly speak to false teaching, I think it's very much implied uh, that Paul is still talking about some of the dangers of false teachers. Um, also through this letter, one of the things that um, Paul is doing, um, as Steve alluded to earlier in our sermon series' name, is kind of painting what does the household of God look like? Um, so today we're going to be looking at um, a couple different things that um, contribute to our behaviors within the household. 
Um, so I, I think today, you know, some of the things we're going to be talking about is we're going to be talking about prayer. Steve um, started out doing this, uh, you know, but we're going to be talking about prayer and how is our prayer life within our, our own lives, but also corporately. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the conduct of its members, uh, what is being asked of men and women uh, within the household. And we're finally going to be looking at um, leadership within um, the household and what are some of those roles. Uh, and uh, we're going to briefly talk about that section just because uh, this was something really uh, very much on Rudy's heart over the last year. So we spent a lot of time talking about the qualifications and stuff. So I'm going to be a little bit more tangible uh, when I talk about that today. So. When looking at First and Second Timothy, or Second and Third Timothy, um, really we're looking at the order of um, the household. Um, so you know, um, this kind of can be looked at as a therefore from chapter one. So ta um, Steve's Tom uh, um, brought um, the importance of First uh, Timothy last week. This is going to start putting some um, um, traction onto that. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to be looking at. Uh, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 7, and I, I'm not creative like Steve, so I'm just going to go ahead and read it because I get thrown off um, whenever we don't. Uh, and then it's also really important, um, my version of the Bible isn't in our computer, so uh, these ones here aren't going to be the exact words I'm saying. I use the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Uh, I don't know what version this is, so there's going to be some discrepancies within the words, but that'll be okay. We'll still get the gist. First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving to be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. That is good, and it pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, a man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for us all, a testimony at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a herald, an apostle, I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So this first um, piece um, of um, scriptures for today, we're really going to be looking at prayer. And I think that this is something that we've talked a lot about here within the body, um, but something I think that we probably, if we're being honest, have to continue to learn and grow in. Um, we, this, um, this verse kind of looks at um, four different types of prayers. And at first, I really wasn't 100% sure what all of them meant. So I, I kind of did a little bit of a, uh, a search. And, uh, you know, so we, it says to pray for petitions. So petitions um, are requests we're making for other people. So uh, as we have people in our lives, we're praying to God for um, some of the um, direct things that other people <coughs> might be needing. Um, prayers, um, this is very simply, you know, what we're taking to God. So our, our prayers that we're lifting up to God. Um, intercessions, uh, when we're um, appealing on behalf of another person. And thanksgiving, being able to be thankful for what God has done in our lives, our body's lives. Um, so I, I think that, you know, uh, as we process through this, um, you know, I think I do a really good job of doing, God, please do this for me. Please forgive me for this. But, you know, looking at these four different types of prayers, I think it's important for us to be doing all four of these. Uh, I could say the Thanksgiving prayer is probably not one I personally use very often. It's one that I need to. God has blessed me in so many different ways. 
um, and I, I don't do a good job of thanking him for that. So looking at those uh, four different types of prayers and being very intentional on how can I use these in my daily life, how we as a body at Zion can do this for each other. And probably one of the more challenging things of this is Paul's saying we need to pray for all. Uh, not just for the people we like, not just for uh, those that we have great relationships with, but for everyone. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that is a really important thing. Um, kind of as a reminder and how this connects is um, the mission of the church, and that's the big C, um, the Church of Jesus Christ, but also um, Zion, is to preach the gospel to the world. And prayer is part of that, um, being able to be pr praying for other people. That's a critical piece of um, this journey. Um, the gospel is not just for some people. It is for everyone. So we should be praying for everyone to um, have and receive that gospel. And that means even people that might reject the gospel. Uh, just because today that individual does not want to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, just because that person today may not want to agree with the same things we agree with. It doesn't mean that tomorrow God can't open their lives. Uh, an amazing example of this is the author of this letter. Paul was Saul, killing Christians. <laughs> he, he was not, I guarantee Saul was not uh, doing this. Um, but he had this great encounter with Jesus. People in our lives, they might not go blind on the street, but they're going to potentially have interactions with Jesus and then that prayer that you were giving for them, those intercessions and those petitions for these people may eventually get some traction and bring them to God. We never know when God may work in other people's lives. So that's such an important thing. God wants all to be saved, but he's not gonna force them to do that. But what we can do is pray for them and hopefully help them um, um, through that process. So God uses his household to preach the gospel and to pray for everyone. So we need to be um, a, a church that prays. Um, another thing that challenges me in these verses is uh, praying for the kings and those who are in authority. Sometimes that's hard to do. As we live in our, a, a very divisive society right now where um, political differences, just, let's just say differences, pull, are pulling us um, apart pretty significantly. Um, Paul's saying here that we should be praying for those in authority. And that might be say, oh, well, Paul doesn't know. Paul's leader ruler in that time was Nero. Pretty sure Nero is a little bit significantly um, worse than some of our leaders today. Might be getting close. Um, but, uh, you know, Nero is probably a little bit worse than our current leaders. And Paul was still saying, despite that, we need to pray for Nero. Um, so, one of the things whenever I was looking at this, and this is one of those uh, things, as I shared last time, uh, as Steve asked me to give sermons, it allows me to reflect on things. When's the last time I prayed for my uh, leaders? Not very often. Maybe Steve. It's probably the only uh, authority person in my life that I probably pray for on a consistent basis. And I need to be do better with that. I need to be able to um, look and see, despite my political differences or my uh, ideology, I need to still pray for people. Um... So kind of thinking about that, us as a church, um, you know, um, we, we all have different means and stuff, but are we able to put that aside? Uh, our politics and all the other stuff, are we able to put that aside and still continue to pray for those that are leading our country to hopefully 
um, bring this country to a better place. Because this, this fight, no matter what side you're on, it's not really great right now. We need the church to come together and pull us back together. I don't think that Paul is suggesting here that we sit um, here idly and, and um, just give in to the world and just accept what the world is telling us. But I do say, feel he is telling us that despite the personhood that might be in charge, we need to, um, or despite that, we need to pray for the personhood of the people that are in charge. Um, also, as a, a corporate, um, as a corporate body, we need to be able to be praying together more. So today, um, Pastor Steve gave us an opportunity to, um, you know, uh, pray corporately. And I'm going to get into this a little bit more in application piece, but, you know, being able to get better at that. So now we're going to transition into um, some verses that gave me nightmares for many months leading up to this. As uh, Steve um, told me this and I read this, um, this was a lot of fun at first until I met with him and Pastor Joe, and I felt a little bit better after that. But... Uh, so we're going to um, go into um, 1 Timothy 2, 8 through 15, which is the conduct of members of the household. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger and argument. Also, the women are to dress themselves in modest clothing, with decency and good sense, not with elaborate um, hairstyles, gold, pearls, or expensive apparel, but with good works as is proper for women who are affirming that they worship God. A woman should learn to be silent with full submission. I do not allow a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. Instead, she is to be silent, for God has created for Adam first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and transgressed. But she was saved through childbearing, if she continues in faith, love, and holiness. So as you can see, that, that's a real fun um, passage um, to have to work through. So um, at first, um, that anger piece was actually pretty prevalent with me whenever I read this and I was like, I have to do this. I said, I know why Steve picked it this week for me to come sit up here and do this. Um, but I think as I process through this more and uh, talk to Pastor Joe and Pastor Steve and really got to the heart of this, I think this, this is a really important passage. Um, it is important to consider that Paul is writing to Timothy about a very direct group of people. This isn't necessarily being written for Zion of Jefferson County in 2023. Um, Paul was seeing that there were some issues in the church of Ephesus back in the day, and we needed to address that. And it's a really important thing to get to the heart of what this is saying. Um, we must um, be able to, um, a key aspect um, of this letter is, you know, the false teachings and the false things that were going on. Um, but also, I, I think these uh, verses really focus on um, how is the outside people within this area viewing the church, right? So, um, you know, I, I really, um, I, I, because I didn't really uh, love this passage, uh, I, I had to go into some commentaries to kind of figure out how, what am I going to say. So um, the Lexham um, um, scholarly commentary said that really the focus of this passage is the behaviors of males and females. 
Um, one of the things I learned is, uh, I didn't know this, but um, the layouts of the homes, and we didn't, they didn't have churches like this back uh, in Ephesus. They, they met in homes. That's where the early churches met in that type of way. But the, um, the, the layouts of homes in Greco-Roman worlds are open layouts. So as they were meeting together as a body of people, people would be walking by and seeing them. So um, that was how people seen the early church was what they observed when they walked by. And um, I'm assuming um, by this letter, uh, they seen males not acting very appropriately, being angry, and perhaps some females um, not um, dressing each other or not dressing and acting accordingly as well. So um, I, I think here Paul is doing a good job of reminding Timothy um, that um, the focus of our gatherings should be bringing people closer and closer to God and focusing on our inner pieces. So for men, um, the, uh, one of the things that this is talking about is being able to live our lives and to worship without anger and arguments. Um, you know, the actual verse says uh, to worship with holy hands. Um, so lifting, our, lifting of hands, sometimes, at least for me, um, whenever I was processing through this, I was like, what does that even mean? Um, but it means surrender. Um, I, I, and whenever I was processing through this, I thought about my time in Iraq. Um, there was a big language barrier between um, the United States forces and Iraqis. But one of the things they did understand was put your hands up. And that was an act of surrender, that I am no longer going to engage you. I'm putting my hands up and I give up. And that's still the same here. I'm not suggesting God has a gun and is asking us to do this. This is something we willingly are doing is, God, I don't, I'm out of this. I don't want to do my life my way. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm over. I surrender. <laughs> and so, you know, what this is saying is not, um, so whenever I hear anger and um, argument, that's us doing things our way, right? That's our opinions and our, our objectives are rolling our interactions with other people. And what this is saying is, man, don't do that. Lift holy hands. Lead our families with love and, and uh, direction um, and worship accordingly. Um, this might mean that we need to change the focus of our hearts from one of anger and argument to one of um, submission and surrender to God's will. So God really wants men to lead spiritually within the church and the homes. So one of the things I ask myself, and I'll ask you men, how are you doing during your worship? I think Dave said that whenever we were starting up, is how are we worshiping God in our corporate gatherings? How are we worshiping God in our communities? And how are we leading our families? If I'm being honest, I fell at this pretty consistently. Um, this was a really humbling thing of when's the last time I sat down and intentionally talked to my daughters through a Bible study? talk about God a lot because they went to camp this summer. When's the last time I actually opened the Bible? And I ask you guys, when's the last time you did that with your families? For me, I have to grow in this area tremendously. <laughs> um, as we worship here, uh, I don't, we don't typically come in here and we're not typically angry with each other, but, uh, you know, um, a bit, are, we, are we surrendering? Are we worshiping with open arms and open hearts? So um, I think Pastor Joe said we should be um, worshiping with hands up, hearts out. Are we doing that? I need to grow in that. 
women, there's clearly more uh, verses here uh, for you. Um, but I, I think that, um, you know, if we boil it down to the heart of what this is saying is, uh, women, are you more concerned about your inwardness and your godliness than your outward appearance? And I think as a society, we fail you all. There is, a, there is definitely, we live in a society that focuses on physical um, and, and, um, um, beauty. And that's not God's heart for us. Um, we, um, um, Paul is instructing Timothy to ensure that we, um, we help the women of our church to be able to be able to focus on an inward peace to see what their value is in God. Um, this passage also ties back to Genesis and uh, their original um, gender roles, which was established um, in the garden. Um, I don't think these verses in any way, shape or form diminish or reduce the role of the female in the church. Um, both male and females are essential to the household. Uh, so it's just really important for us to um, be able to see um, through our corporate worship what is the most important piece. And I think all of this is how are we being portrayed by other people that are watching us. It's important to remember that our non-Christian friends are watching us. Uh, if they know you're a Christian, they're looking at your behaviors. You are a representation of Jesus Christ on this wor- in this world. So how are you portraying that when you interact and engage with other people? Um, I think we need to really work at aspiring to live a life of honor and glory um, that illuminates a positive um, a view of God and draws people to Jesus. Uh, we're getting a little bit close on time, so I'm not going to go over the verses um, of 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 16. Um, I would say that these are really great verses uh, to go take a look at, and it really talks about um, what are the qualifications for elders and deacons? But I will um, want to say that, you know, we spent a lot of time this last year talking about that, um, but there are some connections here. Uh, I think it's a very important thing that when you're looking through um, these verses on the qualifications for elders and deacons, it is not talking about perfection. And I use that excuse oftentimes whenever I, uh, Steve, uh, I talk to Steve, of, I don't qualify for this because of this. And that's really me using excuses, right? Um, so this is not looking for perfection. What this is saying is adequacy and a desire to continue to grow in these areas. So when you look through this, it's important to um, look at it through that way. There are also parallels between elders and deacons, um, the same as men and women. Um, elders are, um, you know, they hold spiritual authority within the household. They have a focus on prayer and delivering the word, where deacons... Their focus is on servanthood and getting things done within the household. Um, so, you know, there, are no, there is no hierarchical um, relationship. They're both equally important, but they have different roles within the church and within the household. Um, and then I'm also not going to um, get too much into uh, 14 um, through 16. Um, Steve shared pa- um, uh, verse 15 earlier. Um, I, I think that this ending here of... Um, Chapter 3 really is just Paul encouraging Timothy, um, trying to come alongside him. He wanted to visit him. He wants to be able to build into his life. And I, I guess as I'm reading through that, I, I, I kind of think about how are we encouraging each other here at Zion? Um, life is tough. It's not easy. As a, uh, you know, a counselor, uh, there's a, so much brokenness in this world. 
and how are we encouraging each other within this room? Um, the focus um, is the truth that Christ needs to be demonstrated in the ways in which our household um, relates to God. So, um, you know, that's something that, I, again, I shared last time. I didn't really improve since last time I was up in front of you. And uh, the sense that whenever I come in, I typically, even Leah has been gone for a year. She says, Derek, I see you're still in your same seat. And I am still in the same seat as when she left a year ago. Uh, so I, I, I'm a creature of habits. Um, so there's things of how am, I, how am I building into other people's lives in this church? And I'm probably, that's another area. I feel like this is just a Derek show of what Derek needs to do. But hopefully as I'm reflecting, you can kind of reflect on yourself of how you can improve in some of these areas. Um, it's so important to remember that uh, the church is so much more than these bricks and mortar. That's not what the church, is, that's not what Zion of Jefferson County is. It's not this building. It used to be a firehouse, I think. Um, that's, th there's nothing special about these bricks and mortar that make this our church. So what makes it special is when two or three are gathered together, I am with you. So God is here with us because we're a body of um, believers that are coming together and worshiping God. We are Zion of Jefferson County. The, the members and the, the people that attend here, this is the church. Uh, so it's so important um, to not focus on these bricks and these instruments, sorry, Dave, these microphones. Um, that's not the important thing. The important thing is being able to engage with each other and to live in a way that brings honor and glory to God. Uh, some quick applications. Um, so prayer. Individually and collectively, how can we grow as a body? Uh, I often get very convicted whenever Pastor Steve comes up here and um, tries to initiate um, a, a corporate prayer. There's usually a lot of silence. I'm one of them. I think in my own head, I'm like, I don't want to say a prayer. I don't want to sound silly. I almost said stupid. Is that <laughs> but, you know, so I'm get, I get into my own head. But God, I feel that God's calling me there. Good. How hard is it to pray? We need to lift up these voices to me. That's what we do as a body. So how can we, as Pastor Steve opens up these corporate times of prayer, how can we honor God in these moments and to get past ourselves and being afraid of saying something in this body and to be able to worship God? What is stopping you? Um, as we look at the different roles of men and women um, you know, uh, within our church, um, how are we worshiping and serving within our household within those uh, roles? Um, how are we living out those roles within our house? If you're called to be an elder or a deacon, if you feel like you might be calling that, what is stopping you? What is stopping you from having a conversation with Pastor Steve or one of our elders and deacons and saying, hey, I might be called to this. Can I talk a little bit more about this with you? If you're not currently being called, still look at those qualifications. You don't know when God may start calling you in this area. What are some of those qualifications that, hmm, this is maybe an area where I do need to grow in. Even if you're not feeling called to be an elder or deacon, these are all great things to be improving in our lives. So be looking at that. How can I grow in those? Um, the worship team's coming up, right? I'll let the worship team come up. Uh, I'm going to do one more verse, um, verse and kind of doing one final application. Um, the verse is Matthew 16, 24, and 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. So my app big application from this was it led me back to these verses. The decision to follow Jesus is a daily decision. 
as Jesus was walking with his disciples and telling them to pick up their cross, that probably, uh, taking myself back to that moment, that was a big, that was a brutal thing. As they were walking the roads, they've seen people dying on crosses. These are, the crosses here weren't these nice crosses right here. These were instruments of death. And Jesus was saying, if you want to follow me, you have to pick up your cross daily. So some of the things that I want to focus on, as I focus on of being a male within this church, being a male within my family, my prayer life, what am I doing today? What do I need to do today to pick up my cross and deny myself? Um, What do I need to do in order to better this body, to better my family? What are my kind of excuses am I making for myself that allows me to feed my flesh instead of giving my life for God? Um, So I also ask you, as uh, as I process through this, I'll also open these up to you. What can you do to improve your prayer life and living in a way that brings glory to God? What are some areas of your life that perhaps are not, uh, you're not choosing the cross, but are feeding your flesh? Reflect on those this week. I know that was something very important for me this last week as I was putting this together, and God illuminated a lot of things in my life that need to be pruned. If you give him time to answer these questions in your life, be prepared for some hard answers. But those hard answers need to grow. As we respond to uh, the message God has uh, brought forth this morning through Derek, uh, we just want to pray and then we'll, uh, we'll sing a song in response, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, for the challenges laid in front of us this morning. Just thank you for uh, loving us enough to tell us the truth. 